Hello, everybody, and welcome to Everything Went Black podcast. Uh, this is another one of those UFC podcasts that I'm doing with Andrew, and this one's for UFC 188. It's the uh, Cain Velasquez, Fabricio Verdun, uh, heavyweight unification fight. So, um, but before we get into that, uh, we just want to like run through some of the highlights of uh, this past UFC that that was uh, that just happened last weekend. So, dude, the last three fights, total time, fight time of maybe seven minutes or something like that, you know? I know, like, the whole card was, like, ridiculously fast. I watched it in the morning. Uh, I had a show the night before, the night of the fights, in Syracuse at uh, Gorham Brothers with Twin Lords. And um, Saturday morning, I was, Dan Rivera from Twin Lords was staying over and I was like, hey, man, there was a UFC last night. We're going to, you know, watch these and eat breakfast. And it was like they were over in, like, no time. We weren't even done eating. And, like, every fight, both of us were, like, jumping out of our seats and, like, yelling, like, amazing. What an amazing card. Yeah. I um, I was pretty excited that uh, Henderson was able to decisively have a dominant win like that, you know, over Tim Bosch, who's a tough guy. You know, Tim Bosch is a tough guy. You know, but, you know, especially, you know, Dan has had some pretty, pretty bad losses recently. And, uh, you know, I remember hearing in like, um, you know, some interview with him that he's planning to have. He has a few more fights left in him, apparently. So hopefully he goes out on a high note. And uh, now, but the uh, trap, not Travis Brown, um, Matt Mitrione uh, versus Ben Rothwell. That fight, like, I don't know, man. Mitrione kind of fucked up going for that takedown. Big time. Yeah. But then again, I think he got tagged, and then he went for the takedown, and that's when all hell broke loose, I think. You know, but he was kind of running the fight with, you know, standing at least. He looked like he was doing great in the stand-up department, and then was like, maybe I'm going to mix it up, and did that lazy double leg where he was so far out. I was like, that was a bad idea. Yeah, you know. And then uh, Dustin Poirier, back at 155, dominating, um, looked awesome against another tough guy. And uh, Man, he looked so good. Yeah, yeah, so that, that was that was pretty exciting. Ruthless. So, yeah, those, those were um, – I tuned in late. <clears throat> I was at my folks' house um, over the weekend, and um, – you know, I ended up uh, checking just only those last few fights. Like, I, I DVR'd the entire thing, but I haven't watched it yet. I mean, I know the results and everything, but uh, but I watched those other through the last three fights live, and I was pretty pretty like pumped. But I was like, "Damn, shit's over with, man." Yeah, it's like it's over, man. It, it was like the whole card had so many first round finishes. It was really amazing. Yeah. So that brings us to uh, UFC 188, which is. Um, you know, probably one of the uh, the highlight fights of the year. I'm thinking. You know, um, you know the main the the main event obviously is uh, the return of Cain Velasquez. Um, you know, trying to unify the heavyweight belt uh, with interim champ uh, Fabricio Verdun. So I mean that that in and of itself is is like pretty pretty epic. You know, but there's a lot of there's a lot, yeah. of, and it's out it's down in Mexico. So. Um, you know, there's a lot of Mexican, local Mexican fighters on the card. And um, so, yeah, you want it. I, I got to, if we start at the bottom, 
you know, I'm not saying the bottom, but at the beginning of the card, like the fight pass fights, I'm not that overly familiar with a lot of the guys on the fight pass uh, prelims. Except, of yeah, course. I mean, looking at it, I was like, oh man, I hope Mike did some better investigative jur- journalism than I did because a lot of these guys, I, uh, you know, I think we can just tear through the bottom pretty easy. The first uh, one, two, three, four, five, six fights on the card, they're really, they do have some some standout guys. And um, yeah, let's start let's start at the bottom real quick. I think. Um, yeah. Well, the, the fight pass. Like, man, they're buried in there because it's a Mexican card, and it's and there are some guys who are above them. I'm like, I can't believe these guys are above these guys. It's just crazy. Yeah, I just, um, you know, we, we got uh, Augusto Dodger Montano versus Cathal Pendred, um, and that you know that's on the that's on the fight pass prelims. And uh, you sure, I believe so, man. Let me let me double check. Listed. I copied them down from Sherdog, and that's listed as the like sixth from top fight. Let me let me go to UFC TV. We'll see how they have it listed. Let's see. Uh, that one actually, I, if I'm wrong, I would I'd be surprised again, just because. Uh, Cathal Pendred's on the a good win streak, yeah. even though he has that really crappy decision. And then the other guy, Augusto Montano, looks like Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, the uh, the UFC Fight Pass early prelims, six thirty p.m. to you know three thirty p.m. Eastern. That's Pacific time. Uh, it's according to UFC TV, uh, Montano and Pendred are the headliners of the Fight Pass prelims, the early prelims. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised because. Um, Cathal, Cathal Pendred fought on that uh, Boston card with uh, with his uh, with his buddy uh, and, yeah. and Dennis Seaver, and uh, yeah, that was uh, the controversial win over Sean Spencer, which everyone, including Joe Rogan and uh, Dana White, thought that Spencer had actually pulled that one out. So uh, it's hard to say about Cathal Pendred because I he's one of those guys who it's. I don't feel like he has any standout skill necessarily. Like he's not an excellent grappler. He's not a you know jujitsu guy. He's not really a stand up guy. He's not a boxer. He's just kind of like you know medium in, in all those disciplines. And uh, you know so, but still he, he has like a sixteen three and one record. And uh, well, I think he he's won what the three three no one. Well, I don't know what his record in the UFC is though. Yeah, it might be three in a row at this point, actually. Now, I think he lost one. Hold on a second. Let me just check this out real quick. I should have done a better job of uh, paying attention to what the hell is. He looks like John Adubato, sort of, from Burnt by the Sun. <laughs> well, so you got John Adubato from Burnt by the Sun fighting against Anthony Kiedis. Interesting. <laughs> All right, so according to, uh, yeah, so it looks like he's 3-0 and yeah. in, uh, in the UFC. They so, list him at sixteen and three on UFC. No, no, he's sixteen and three career, but he's three and zero oh in the UFC. Because right, all, all of his right, other... of course, I don't think that he's nineteen in the UFC. But uh, it's just interesting because uh, you're looking off of the UFC's record of him, right? Yeah. And then on Sherdog, they have him at sixteen and two. Huh. I just wonder what that third loss is. I don't know. That's uh. 
maybe Dana White put the uh, the John the Spencer, Spencer fight in there, yeah. loss. I don't know, but uh, awesome. but yeah, either way, either way. I mean, it's it's you can't really pay attention to like the early career stuff because a lot of, you know it's like these lower sort of more local promotions and um, you know it's career wide, but unlike other sports like boxing. It's really only like your last few fights that really seem to matter, and how you're ranked, and what kind of like, you know, matchups you get. But uh, Augusto Dodger Montano um, is a pretty dynamic fighter, man. He's got a great haircut. Um, <laughs> great red mohawk. Yeah, he also is a, a wildly popular guy in his home c- country of Mexico. And doesn't he have some kind of singing career or like acting career or celebrity status in Mexico? Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he looks like Anthony Kiedis. I think that he has some sort of, like, non-MMA career thing where he's a celebrity going on in Mexico. I don't know. I think I think I heard that somewhere. He's pretty charismatic, and, and you're right, he's dynamic. I mean, the guy's like a wood chipper that is on high and moves forward. It'll be interesting to see how he handles Cathal Pendred's smothering top game and takedowns, just like, you know, gorilla takedowns. Um Hopefully he catches him with like a flying knee with Pendry coming in. Yeah, I think my pick is going to be with uh, with Augusto Montano. That's just my uh, my early read on it. Like I haven't really, I haven't seen enough of his fights. Um, I've seen a few of them, but Cathal Pendred, I know just from when he, you know, actually both of these guys are Ultimate Fighter alumni. Mm. Um, Montano was in, I think, the Mexican one, and yep. and um, Cathal was in. Uh, one of the last couple of years, uh, Ultimate Fighters. Yeah, he was the guy where like they're they're bringing in like you know we're bringing in some some new guy and everyone was all tense because this dude rolls up with like shirtless. He's like all shredded and he looks like this warrior, you know. But then he I don't think he won any of the fights in the house. I think he, he like, loses the first one. I didn't even watch it, but that that would have been funny. I don't know. I didn't yeah. watch it. Yeah, he's got this like beard, you know and. Right, he's got his beard and his shaved head, and he's like ripped. It's all shredded and everything. <laughs> and like, you know, everyone's like, "Look at this guy! This guy's like gonna gonna fucking you know fix our wagons," you know. But uh, but yeah, he didn't really do too well. So I don't know. I mean, I I I'm kind of like, I think because he's Irish and there's like a lot of attention on Irish fighters. Like he's getting like a uh, you know a meal ticket, a free ticket, you know, get out of jail free card. But he's you know, in um. McGregor's team, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, so yeah, I think that's that's the deal, you know. But we'll see. I mean, he has he's three and zero. He should be two and one, but he's three and zero. You know. So yeah, you, you I mean, I think that uh, another thing to keep in mind here is that we're talking about some serious elevation. So yeah, I think that's going to work in Augusto's um, favor too. And Augusto has only lost to Sam Alvey at one eighty five, and Alvey's on. A good tear right now, so yep. Yeah, I think that this is some good matchmaking. They're getting someone who is three and zero, you know, regardless of the last one being controversial, and they're giving him, well, they're having someone fight him who could be a prospect and someone that they want to build. They definitely want Montano to win this fight. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hell, if, if they think they like to challenge people, so I don't know if they necessarily think it's a winnable fight. But I think that he's pretty damn dynamic, and I look forward to seeing his bottom game and how he can get up from takedowns. I think Cathal Pendred's going to tire out and probably get knocked out by something fun, probably in the third round. Yeah, I mean, I'll go with that. You know, especially since he has a—he's not a, a highly technical fighter. 
and his lack of yeah, technique. Yeah, just right, yeah. like you're saying, like a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, like his lack of technique will mean that he'll be using up way too much energy to uh, to do these things, and couple that with the altitude, I think it's going to drain his gas tank pretty quickly. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't really have any any kind of thoughts on these other these other two guys um, on the on the pre, on the fight fight pass uh, prelims. We got Gabriel Benitez and Clay Collard. Um, oh yeah, Clay Collard, man. Clay Collard had a great fight against Max Holloway. Um, I mean, he had a crazy gas tank. He had super high output, super aggressive, and a hell of a chin. And you know, pretty much tried to fight back and lost in the third round. I want to say it was like a mounted, like a mount ground and pound and he just couldn't get out of it and the ref came in and rescued him it was either that or it was the rear naked choke but um you know he's 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 got a brutal pace and he's so relentless I, I don't know I think he trains at altitude anyways in um with like grudge or someone you know in one of those areas in one of those high areas like Albuquerque or, or, okay. or somewhere around there like Colorado um I don't know anything about Gabriel Benitez, but uh, Clay Collard is legit. So we'll, it should be a very fun fight, regardless. Okay, who's your, who's your pick? What's the on other this fight? One? Uh, the other fight is uh, Albert Tumanov and Andrew. Oh yeah, Toad, Toad Hunter, to- Todd Hunter. Yeah, Andrew the Sniper, Todd Hunter. That's his. Uh, that's his nickname. That's his nickname, and I thought. You know, going into it, oh, he must be like a knockout guy, the sniper. Yeah. But he's actually seven and zero, and all of them are subs. One is punches, um, so it's probably that the guy tapped out. But um, the other six wins are all uh, submissions, and he's actually a late replacement for Hector Urbina. Okay. And um, Tumanov, he had his one stumble when he first came in against um, Ildemar Alcantara. And um, he's on a three-fight win streak. He beat Nicholas Musoke. He's good, man. You know, he's like one of these uh, Russian, Eastern European, I don't know what the correct nomenclature for... They're, they're listing is. Russia as his uh, country, of, of uh, his home Excellent. country. So he's Russian and he's uh, he's dynamic. He's really strong in his strikes. I don't think he's particularly fast, but he has he's got great combinations. A lot of Russians have really good combination work. And it'll be interesting to see how he does against Todd Hunter because he's obviously a submission guy where Urbina was more of like TKOs and submissions. Um, I don't know that Tumanov has had a deal with a straight submission guy, definitely not in the UFC. Being a late replacement at, at um, uh, Elevation and, and Todd Hunter's from Oklahoma, I, I think that Tumanov should be able to win this one. Okay. And, yeah, extended streak to four. He's a, that's a good fight. Both those are good fights, definitely. And like I was saying, I thought those were on the uh, the fight pass, and sure enough, they are. And I'm, I'm, it's just because you know those like, maybe Benitez is Mexican, but obviously Tumanov isn't, and neither no. is Todd Hunter or Clay Collard. So I see why they're relegated to lower on the card, which is a shame because they've proven themselves in the UFC and as fighters overall. Whereas a lot of these other guys might be like fighting whatever the regional Mexico scene is, but I understand how that works. Yeah, I think that a lot of the, you know, the, the sort of strategy is they put some of the 
you know, in these regional fights where there's a lot of locals on it, they'll put some well-known names, like some more higher-known names on the earlier card, like the Fight Pass, to get more people to check it out, I think. You know, that was kind of the philosophy, I guess, behind uh, Uriah Faber headlining that uh, Fox Sports 1 uh, prelim a few months ago, just to, you know, bring, bring some people to check out the Fox uh, prelims. Yeah, good point. Yeah, it's like an interesting strategy, but you know, it might not seem like you know it's questionable, but kind of. But you know, I can see it from a strategic point. So uh, that brings us to the Fox Sports uh, one, or I'm sorry, yeah, the FX uh, prelims. And uh, let's see. We got uh, Francisco Trevino versus Johnny Case, and this is at lightweight. And uh, yeah, at first I thought this was. Uh, I was like, "Wow, this guy's name is Johnny Cage. That's awesome." <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not. But um, Trevino, he sticks out in my head for some reason. He's twelve and zero. Yep. I know I've seen him. I want to say at cornrows. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. And uh, Johnny Case, I don't know a lot about him. He's twenty and four and. He hasn't lost since 2010, and he's on a 10-fight win streak. So Yeah, they're both undefeated in the, in the UFC there, but they've both won their fights in the UFC. Like uh, Trevino, right. I guess, is Trevino's 1-0. undefeated overall. Yeah. And, but I, mean, well, I guess I was referring more to Case. Like, he, he's won his two, his last two fights. His two, only two oh, okay. fights, I guess. I didn't even realize he had fought twice in the UFC. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. He's got... Uh... uh yeah, Case versus Frankie Perez is a win, and uh, he has a win over, over over Kazuki Tokodome. Oh, Tokodome, that's right. I did look at that. It was a submission. I didn't think either of those were like major signs of anything, so I didn't write them down. But I mean, yeah, I mean those were UFC level fighters, and he, he beat them. And I think Tokodome got cut after that. Yeah. So. Not knowing a whole lot about either one of these guys, if I was forced to pick, I'm going to pick Case in this in this uh, this bout. Yeah, I agree. I think Case with the more experience on his side, and also I feel like Trevino had good boxing, but maybe was a little wild or was easy to take down. There was something in there that stuck out in my mind in his last win. Um, I think, yeah, maybe it might be too soon for Trevino to get somebody so experienced as Case. So next up, we got Alejandro Perez, 16-5, and versus Patrick Williams, 7-4, and in a bantamweight fight. And I believe this might be uh, Perez's uh, UFC debut. Yes, I believe that it is. Um, He has a loss to uh, Quinones, who fought over the weekend. And um, Patrick Williams is coming off of that flying knee KO uh, from Chris Beal landed on him. That was amazing. Yeah, and then you know Williams is zero and one in the UFC. Like he yeah, has, he's yeah. So yeah, that's that's what you just said. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. Man. This was a toss up, I guess. You know, it's, it's like, a toss up. Yeah, you know, you get Perez who lost to Quinones, and then Williams who just got. Blasted by Beal. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Perez. I, I I just don't know what the ceiling is for Williams, and I'll I'll side with a guy named Alejandro. Yeah, I actually I was gonna just on a little bit of uh, 
research I did on these guys, uh, Perez looks like more of my, it would be my choice for winner as well. You know, just based on that brutal loss that Williams sustained, you know. But then a flying knee is kind of like a Hail Mary, uh, you know, technique anyway, you know. I mean, anyone. Anyway. It was nice, though. It was, it was in close. It was, like, right standing in front of him. It was, it was like a flying knee uppercut, pretty much, you know. It's not like he came from outside and came flying in with it. It was, like, just yeah. straight up. It was beautiful. But I was trying to say that that technique is says more about the guy delivering the technique than the guy actually defending it. Because it's like, you know, those flying knees come out of nowhere, man, even if you're in close like that. And I think that it's, it's, more, it's less about his defense, I think, because it's kind of hard to, like, defend something like that. That was just my two cents, you know. <laughs> uh, so now we got Ef- Efrain Escudero Hecho en Mexico Hecho en Mexico He's 24-9 Versus Drew Dober An American 16-5 and And won no contest And uh, this is a uh, What do we got? A lightweight, lightweight fight Yeah So uh, Yeah Escudero <laughs> He was on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. He won it. He is super boring. Uh, he got cut from the UFC because they were even pushing him because he was one of the few Mexican fighters back then. And he got cut. They brought him back, and uh, I think he won his fight, didn't he? Uh, his fight back. Did he fight in the last Mexican card? Let's check. Escudero. Where are you looking? Uh, Drew Dober. Had that really crappy loss in Brazil where the ref said that he was out from a guillotine that was, like, not even remotely close to being a finishing move. It was, like, just like a lazy arm over his head, and the ref was like, he's out. And he's like, what? I'm not out. And uh, thankfully, that guy turned into a no contest. But at the time, the ref said, oh, there's nothing I can do, you know, and and then he thought it was going to be a loss in his record. Um, and then he won against um, Jamie Varner, but I want to say that that might have been the fight where Varner his like ankle snapped. Yeah, like he's so shop worn. Like uh, he put weight on it and, and pivoted, and his ankle snapped. Like oh god, like oh. Yeah, es- Escudero has a win. His his last fight, um, you know, was was a win over Rodrigo de Lima. Uh, yep. Yeah, and then he's he lost three straight: uh, Leonardo Santos, Mac Danzig, and uh, Jacob, yep. Jacob Volkman. So. Um, oh yeah, Jacob Vol- Volkman, the crazy Republican who <laughs> made threats against Obama. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so this might be him turning a corner, or maybe not. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. You know, I, I, this one's another kind of gimme. You know what I'm trying to say? He's a good name. He's a good. I mean, he's like, he might as well be like a regional champion in Mexico, except he's American. So like, hey, here's this guy who's Mexican, but is in America. I almost said America. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm glad that he's back in the UFC just for him, for his career. I think that that's got to feel good. And so I'm happy for him. But I, I'm not, I've never been a fan. Even if he is made in Mexico. Yeah, Drew Dober has a win over uh, Jamie Varner. That's that's enough. right. That's what I say. Yeah, prior to that, he lost two in a row. Uh, lost one to Sean Spencer. 
So Yeah, this one's kind of like these two guys, they came off losing streaks, and they both have wins in their last fight, so it's hard to say. Like, you know, I think uh, since he beat Jamie Varner, but then again, Jamie Varner was sort of in the twilight of his career when he, when he beat him. I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna say Dober. I'm gonna go on a limb. I'm gonna say Dober. I think the only win that Escudero can win is by takedowns and takedowns, and his striking's just never really gotten up to snuff. I think Dober is gonna win. What's the next fight? The next fight is Cejudo versus Camus. Chico Camus versus Henry Cejudo. Yeah, this is gonna be a good one. Um. You know, Cejudo's undefeated. Uh, you know, so my thing is like, I, I mean, I'm just going to go right out there and say I think Cejudo's going to win. But uh, yeah, I mean, Chico is a great, great test. I mean, he's definitely a top ten yeah. flyweight. He's definitely probably like a no shame gatekeeper to the bottom end of the the top ten, and. Uh, He's crafty. He's tricky. You know, he's got good, sharp striking. Uh, Cejudo, he's got good boxing, and obviously he has that Olympic-level wrestling. I mean, yeah. the guy won a gold in 2008 yep. and 21. And uh, like you said, he's 8-0. I mean, this everyone's hoping that he gets his shit together. He makes weight, and he eventually makes his way to the gold, you know, and, and at least fights... Demetrius Johnson. I mean, I don't know if he could beat him. I think that's a tough task for anybody. Yeah. But that's a fight I really want to see. I, I, that'd be awesome. That'd be so cool to see Henry Cejudo, you know, Olympic gold medalist against uh, Demetrius Johnson. It'd be a really, really good fight for both of them. Obviously, Cejudo. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you <laughs> But I think man. that it would it'd help DJ, too, with his... Yeah, I'm going to go with Cejudo, too. I think I it's going to be a good fight, dangerous. though. This one might go the distance, possibly, you know what I mean? This might be, yeah. like, a decision. You know, it might not be a finish. I mean, especially since they're, you know, they're in that, uh, that lighter lighter weight class, you know, the 125-pound yeah. weight class where there's not a whole lot of, like, knockouts. There might be some submissions. But I see this one going going all the way, like, going the whole distance. So who knows how long wheels? Maybe he'll make a statement. You know, and we know that Chico is uh, he's durable. Who knows, man? I could see Cejudo coming out and opening a lot of eyes and being like, oh, shit, this guy's like a 125 Cain Velasquez or something. Well, before we move on to the main card, so how was the show at uh, at the Gorham Brothers music? That was interesting. Um, we got added on it sort of like late into it, even though I guess it was sort of a month ago. And there was... Once I saw that one of the members of a band had on a Get Up Kids hoodie, uh -huh. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's a bad So that song. was the first band. I don't know what they were called, but they were like, you know, I don't know, songs about girls and stuff. And I'm like, oh, cool, they can play chords, like, that I don't know how to play. Like, no power chords, you know, they're all, like, playing real chords. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, you know, there's some local band. It was their second show. And then uh, then we played, and it was really good. Ryan did an awesome job. Oh, the Corn Brothers, they, they moved yeah. next door. They, it's huge now. Oh, you've been there, right? Yeah, I've been there, yeah. It's, like, way better. It's awesome. Yeah. the when, um, Their old location, they had that weird coffee shop next door. Have you, been, have you ever been to there? You've been there before, right? We stopped there. Yeah, their old place? Yeah. Yeah. The place next door was, like, that. We, there was, like, a coffee shop. 
that had like the most unfriendly people running it. Because uh, the last time I was in Syracuse, I stopped by there to, to talk to those dudes and hang out. And uh, it's been it's probably been a year, actually. It was like July of last year. I went up there to pick up the first Savage Gold, uh, you know, roast from, from Jesse. So I hung out. And I was like, you know what, man? Before I leave, I can go for a cup of coffee. So I went next door. And this lady that was running this spot was like... Looking, looked at me like I was completely out of the line for asking for a cup of coffee in this restaurant. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like... That place isn't there anymore. No, good. They deserve to fail, man, because they had such horrible customer service. And the woman's kid was there, too. And the kid... I was standing by the counter, and the lady's, like, like looking at me from, from like, where they're preparing the food. You know, I'm, I don't I, I don't know. I figure you have the counter, you order your stuff there. So the kid's like looking at me too and she's like, Mommy, what is that man doing standing over there? Why is he standing over there? And I was like, nothing like making you feel uncomfortable, man. You know? Like, I wanted to be in there for like two minutes. That's it. But I was there for like 20 minutes. Horrible. I'm glad they went out of business. And fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) The Gore Brothers say what's up, by the way. Cool. They all said hi. And uh, I was like, yeah, I think I'm like, Mike, Mike, they're like, uh, Talking about training and stuff And I'm like Yeah Mike's been doing A lot of Muay Thai I'm like I think you might be Doing a smoker this summer Yeah And they're like And Ryan was like Oh I'd love to see that man I'd love to see Mike fight man So like the, If you tell them man They'll all come down To the city and they'll go Yeah man I mean You know I don't want to say I am I don't want to say That I'm not You know what I'm saying Right yeah <laughs> But if it happens Yeah We'll all, we'll all be there man Yeah I, I have been training And next week I'm about to step it up Because if, if I do this thing we're getting in that four-week range, so I, you know, I've been doing a lot of sparring. I've been doing a lot of actually just a lot of straight up like conditioning stuff for, uh, you know, for the um, like Fridays like my conditioning day. So I do like what you can imagine you would do for conditioning at a Muay Thai camp, and then a ton of pad work after that, and then I spar like midweek, and then Mondays like just more pad work, you know, and just no no real like weightlifting or anything, and just working on technique and you know conditioning really. But uh, yeah, like next week starts kind of like the the radius of preparation, you know. And, awesome. Uh, yeah, I have to learn the Y crew and all that stuff, you know, that little dance they do in Thailand, <laughs> and you know, it should be fun, man. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I don't have to make a decision until next week whether or not I'm going to do it or not. But when's the last time you uh, you learned to dance? Dude, never. I don't think I'll ever learn to dance in my life, you know. But. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What about you, man? You learned to have you. What the fuck did you learn how to dance? Like, have you learned any kind of dance? Uh, when I was a kid, my mom tried to teach me how to jitterbug because you know she was so much older. That was like her dance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after after if if I end up doing this thing, the smoker. After that, I'm gonna def. I'm definitely gonna get back into uh, you know training jujitsu. Um, you know, you know, I've been having trouble with my knee, and I finally. Um, I started doing this really, really killer physical therapy. Oh, I got the PRP injection, number one. And then I got uh, this... PRT? P- yeah. I got a TRT injection. <laughs> yeah, I'm on human. I'm on uh, testosterone replacement therapy. No, no, just kidding. Uh, uh, platelet-rich plasma injection, which is your own blood. And uh, they spin it, and they inject the white blood cells into your joint, and it helps you actually regenerate damaged tissue. So awesome. Yeah, so, like, my, my meniscus is torn up, and, like, I got, like, some cartilage loss in the knee, and 
I was in a lot of pain like earlier this year. So, um, so I started, I, you know, my doctor recommended I do that. She prescribed that. So I got this injection. And then after that was done, I went into some physical therapy at the clinic. And then I went into some more physical therapy with this guy, Fabian Garcia, who actually trains at the Muay Thai camp. And um, he's like a next level, like, combines like all this different shit, man. Like all this like, you know, Eastern like therapy and then straight up like strength training. And we're doing all this crazy compact stuff where they like connect these electrodes to your muscles. Cause you know, a lot of like, when you get knee problems, it's a lot of it's stabilization. So you have to rebuild up those muscles cause they atrophied. So my left leg was like totally atrophied. My quad was like, you know, I lost a lot of size. So before, rather than just put me under a squat rack and like start banging out squats, they had to kind of, you know, redevelop those muscles. So there's a thing called a complex, which is um, is like electrodes, and then they just send an electrical current through your muscles, and it contracts your muscles like you're doing leg extensions, but you're, there's no weight on it, so it doesn't put any stress on your joint. So it's a way to give you a push into growing that muscle, and then once that muscle is big, is strong enough. Then you can start doing weighted squats and stuff like that. So I'm in the middle of doing this shit, and it's fucking working wonders for me, man. And like, awesome. Yeah, you know, and, and just building up my calves and working on my feet and just like, you know, working on mobility and doing all this like, you know, primal movement drills. And it's the best thing I've ever done, man. And it's like, it's almost like we're not even really doing it for my knees anymore. We're just doing it to become like a better athlete, you know, and it's like, Totally, totally great. And now, you know, I'm, I should be done with that right around the time the smoker happens. And then once all that stuff's over with, I'm going to get back on the mat and start training jiu-jitsu again. And because I, my knees were in such bad shape that I, I rolled a lot last summer, um, but I, my knees ended up just getting fucked up. So I had to like back off a little bit, you know. You know, last summer it was just like, just straight up just rolling like it would be almost like no drills we just get on the mat and just roll for like 40 minutes do like you know like 10 5 minute rounds or some shit like that and just my knees would be just smoked after that you know you know we were doing a lot of stuff with takedowns like like starting standing instead of on you know on the ground and the Mm -hmm. takedowns on the thin mats like kind of fucked me up so I kind of got away from that for a while but anyway (laughs) but yeah man what's that what shirt is that Uh, it's a gameness t-shirt it's a, it's like a gear company. You know, they okay. make like they make geese and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. But so anyway, that's cool, man. I uh, I want to make it up to upstate New York um, this summer. You know, I want to take a run up there and, and I want to check out like, uh, you know, the uh, the house of guitars and pick up some gear and then just do you know, visit everyone like visit Syracuse, you know, whatever. You know, maybe check you out in Ithaca, just like a you know sort of leisure vacation weekend kind of thing you know what I'm saying yeah man you gotta see the waterfalls up here yeah you know but um alright so now we're on to the main card and uh we got Tisha Torres versus uh my cousin Angela Angela Hill (laughs) Tisha the tiny tornado Torres versus Angela Overkill Hill which is an yes. awesome that's an awesome nickname oh uh, dude I hope she comes out to elimination or something that would rule yeah I, somehow I don't think that's gonna happen but yeah that'd be <laughs> awesome me neither so both of these ladies are, are both undefeated uh, Torres is 5-0 and, 0 and uh, Hill is 2-0 and 0. 
And uh, they're both alumni of the Ultimate Fighter. And uh, so what, what's that? 115 pounds is straw weight? Is that the technique? Yeah, straw weight. Yeah. I couldn't find anything on Angela Hill, man. I mean, maybe because she's your cousin, you could tell me a little more about her. Well, Angela is uh, is a Muay Thai practitioner. Um, you know, she's definitely more geared towards the stand-up game as opposed to the ground game. And I believe Torres is a wrestler, am I correct? So Big this time. Is, yeah, so this is like, you know, if she can keep it standing, she'll probably win. But, you know, you got to use those combinations, man. It's like uh, my biggest gripe when I watch MMA and, and wrestling, like a good striker versus a wrestler, is they don't set up their kicks. They don't, they'll just throw a fucking, you know, body kick without setting it up with their hands and they'll get taken down, and that's the end of the story. So Hill has needs to uh, work her hands, I think, you know, maybe work the clinch. Knees, you know, never throw a kick unless it's, there's like a setup with like her, you know, like a jab cross setup, that kind of thing, you know, and just uh, fight a kind of a conservative fight, but you know, but walk her down maybe, you know, do some get some dirty boxing in there because I think Torres, if she has an opportunity to take her down, uh, Hill is not going to have an answer for that wrestling. Yeah, I agree. I mean, who knows? We could end up with like a. Uh Joanna champion. Oh, yeah, check Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like one of my favorite fighters, man. You know, it's like, yeah, and she pretty much dominated. She definitely, on 100% dominated Esparza. You know, but yeah. that's but that's what I mean, though. Yanjacek is like a, a seasoned uh, Muay Thai kickboxer. So she really knew how to set the kicks up. She worked her hands. You know, she had great uh, takedown defense, which I think... I'm not sure if Hill has that kind of takedown defense, though. But how's her Muay Thai background? Is it is it deep? No. Do you know much about it? No, it's not. It's not like Ian Jacek. Ian Jacek is like a, you know, a, a European, you know, international, <laughs> like, you know, she's got a lot of back, you know, a lot of, she's like one of those European kickboxer types. Like, they, you know, I don't know what her record is or how many fights, but she's deep in that European kickboxing scene. You know, Hill, I think... Is like in more like on the American side, you know, maybe, uh, you know, this is going to sound sort of like crooked, but probably got into kickboxing because it's like you get a great cardio workout, you know, but then maybe saw, you know, showed some talent, you know, and then they gave her some fights. Like, I don't think she has like a very deep uh, kickboxing background, like compared to uh, Yan Jacek. But, uh, you know, Torres is clearly, you know, a strong wrestler, though. So, big time. Yeah. With all that said, I'm still gonna go. I'm gonna go with Torres. You know, I just, I just don't see uh, the the, <laughs> the matchup. It's like stylistically, it's yeah. There's a similarity between uh, Jacek versus Esparza, but I just don't think the caliber of the fighters are the same. So I, I'm gonna say Torres in this one. Totally agree, Torres. Who knows, man? He'll might have a horrible. Forget about her wrestling. Her jujitsu might be really bad. Yeah. So it might be Torres submission. Or, or it might just be like one of these like like uh, decisions maybe you know like where do you remember when uh, when Nick Diaz fought um, Caro Parisian where like Caro Parisian just kept taking him down the whole time and Diaz just that was a get, great fight though That's no it was a great fight but it was also a smothering fight you know it was just, it, Caro Parisian smothered Nick Diaz basically you know so I mean yeah. Torres may just like smother Hill and just get a decision out of the, out of the deal you know yeah like uh I just started watching the Ultimate Fighter season one again, so maybe an- another uh, comparative 
fight would be uh, Koscheck versus uh, Lehman. Yeah. Where it was just take down, take down, take down, take right. down. You know, and I, I, I um, you know, MMA is not in the same place it was back then, but yeah, that, those were some of the most frustrating uh, fights to watch, where it's just like a wrestler who obviously doesn't know anything about fight, like uh, stand up fighting, and doesn't even really know anything about submissions, but just is like a grinder. You know, and just those fights are boring. And I understand wanting to stick to your strengths and, you know, do what you what you are, do, you know, you do best. But also it's your responsibility uh, to learn all these other disciplines and get proficient at them, you know, so that it is a mixed martial arts competition as opposed to just a, a wrestling match, you know. But, you know, Koscheck obviously stepped up his game, man, you know. Yeah, you know, Koscheck became a pretty, pretty competent striker. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, until GSP broke his orbital and then he became completely gun-shy and then just depended on that jab one in the 1-2. Um, yeah, one thing that's interesting, though, uh, talking about old MMA, is that I feel like a lot of the female division is like that. Female MMA yep. isn't as advanced as male MMA. Nope. And, and we do see a lot of amazingly well-rounded fighters like in Jacek, but then you also see completely one-dimensional fighters like Asparza mm-hmm. or Torres, you know, yep. or maybe even Hill, you know? Yeah, I mean, she's a kickboxer mainly, you know, and, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's just the way it is. I mean, if you, women's MMA, maybe, maybe Invicta has like a little bit more, I've, I've been checking out a few of those Invicta fights and it, I just think maybe... The, the well-roundedness there's a little bit more well-roundedness in that promotion than there is in the UFC right now and it seems like they're signing these ladies just you know with like one or two pro fights you know and somehow they're in the UFC just because there aren't that many women who fight you know totally I still would like to see um, Ronda fight a, a, a really really good striker you know what I mean Ronda like Rousey yeah you know what dude I would love to see that fight you know I would like to see Ronda fight a just shredded, juice to the guild cyborg. <laughs> like I don't give a fuck, dude. I want to see that fight. I don't care if she's like on fucking steroids, you know. And she's on. She could be on steroids, HGH, NTRT. I don't give a fuck, man. EPO, EPO, all that shit, man. Just give her, give her everything. Doritos, Doritos. You know, Jesus Christ, like just wind her up, man, and put her in the cage with her. I'd love to see that fight. I don't give a fuck, you know. <laughs> it's gonna. Ha- it has to happen. You know what I mean? It has to. I think it will. Yeah, it will eventually. But wait, hold on a second. Is is Cyborg? Wait, she's she's still in it. She's an Invicta now, right? She's still. Is she? All right. What is the relationship between Invicta and the UFC? Do you know what the relationship is? Is there any relationship? Are they Zufa? Feeder League. Okay, so it's it's not like Zufa owns Invicta or anything like that? I don't think so. I think Shannon Knapp still owns it, but, I mean, it's on Fight Pass. Yeah. So there's, like, you know, they definitely are, like, well, first, Invicta has great cards, so they're going to show them, but then it also helps them when they pinch those fighters from Invicta. They're like, oh, yeah, remember that fighter you saw on Invicta on a UFC Fight Pass? Well, now she's in the UFC, you know? It's a pretty smart partnership. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I got I love to see that fight. You know, Definitely. Fight Pass is getting getting really interesting with their catalog because um, you know they have like the Valetudo uh, fights on there now. There's like Shudo. Oh really? Oh yeah, man. Yeah, 
Uh, well, actually, I don't know if the Valley Tudo is on there yet, but that's that's. There was an interview I heard with a guy who's the programmer for um, for Fight Pass, mm-hmm. and their goal is to have all these other promotions on there, like the same way they had Pride. Uh, there's a plan to get K1 fights, which would be fucking killer, I think. You know, that'd be sick. That'd be awesome. That'd be a massive catalog too, man. You know. So yeah, I mean that, that's that's really cool. Like the guy's goal is like they want the fight pass uh, catalog, you know, the the fight whatever whatever it's called, um, to be like sort of a document of uh, of modern MMA. You know, I mean even though K one is kickboxing, but there were a couple of uh, uh, no holds barred. weren't weren't there a few like a couple of uh, fights in K one that actually were more like MMA roles. Yeah, I want to say later on, K1 had, like, some type of MMA crossover. Yeah. But, of course, you know, there's, unlike Glory, except for, there's that one guy, Pat Schilling, I think. But, Joe, uh, Joe like, Schilling. From, Joe Schilling? Joe Schilling, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, there's not a lot of crossover from Glory into MMA. Like, Joe Schilling and uh, that guy from uh, Black Zillions. Oh, yeah. His leg. Uh, Tyrone Spong. Yep, Tyrone Spong. Yeah. But you know, in the UFC, you got you got Mark Hunt. Yeah, you got Alistair Overeem. Yeah, you, know, you had Dwayne Dwayne Ludwig. Too. Dwayne Ludwig was, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that that's. I mean, I I love the old K one fights. I mean, there's guys like Sam Greco and like those old school dudes. You know, watching those fights would be really cool to have like a decent Ernesto Hoost. Ernesto Hoost. You know, uh, to see like a like a quality. Um, Stream of that stuff as opposed to some of the stuff that's on uh, YouTube where it's like, you know, taking yeah. up a VHS tape. Video. Like those, all the Andy Hoog videos are like horrible on YouTube. It'd be really nice to see some updated video. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Oh, Crow Cop. Yeah, Crow Cop. Yeah, dude. You know, his, his yeah, Crow Cop in, in, in K1 is fucking amazing, you know. All right, so the next fight is uh, Yair Rodriguez. Versus Charles Rosa, Boston Jesus. Strong, Boston Strong, Charles Rosa. That's on the main card. Yes, it is. That's crazy. I just yeah. Well, you know, it's the the concept of the local Mexican fighters. Uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the, when they, when they have these like foreign cards, and not not to sound like like I'm ignorant or anything like that by saying these foreign cards, but. Whenever they have these international fights, these international cards, there's a lot of local guys on it. You know what I mean? And they, they end up higher higher up on the uh, on the card than they probably you know should be. But but Rodriguez is four and one. You know that's why I was like, I I thought he, that was the first fight, and then Boston Strong, whatever his name is. I mean, he lost in his fight against uh uh God, the German guy. Uh, Dennis Seaver. Dennis Seaver, thank you. Yeah. yeah, so it's like four and one versus ten and one. I can't believe that this fight is on the main card instead of Cathal Pendred Augusto Montano. It's just crazy. Yeah, that that's a that's a good point. But you know, it's it's uh we got to remember this is also aside from being a sport, this is entertainment. You know, trying to keep everyone's interest, man. Yeah, it's weird. I have zero interest. Or opinion on this fight Rodriguez beat Morales Who beat Quinones uh, Rosa lost to Seaver Then won against somebody 
Yeah, this should have been like the first fight on the card. Yeah, <laughs> on the whole on the whole thing. Uh, I'm gonna flip a coin, and I'm gonna say Rodriguez in this one. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, it's tough because I'm like, what kind of level of training does Rodriguez have? I don't know. And where does Rosa train out of? Does he sit train out of like Sit Yotong or something? I have no idea. I don't know anything Shit. about him. Uh, but so now we're getting into the uh, I'll go with Rosa okay. I just don't trust the dude who's 4-1 and one. Yeah, okay But yeah, now we're getting into The last three fights, right? Yeah, man This fight's sad it This is, fight's so sad It's sad because, And we'll get to the reasons why But, um, but yeah I'm, uh, you know, kind of Kelvin Gastelum, who can't control his uh, weight, <laughs> fighting at middleweight, which back in the Ultimate Fighter, he was a middleweight. And he was small for that division, I thought. And so now, through lack of uh, being able to make weight at, at uh, welterweight, he's been forced to move back to the uh, middleweight uh, division. Yep, Uncle Dana punished him and said, you're yeah. going to fight at middleweight. Ugh. Even that's, at welterweight, I honestly think Gastelum could have made lightweight. Yeah. He's pretty wide. He definitely should have been making welterweight, man. It's like, come on. But I think that if you really look at him, even even at his welterweight when he was fighting, I think that um, I think that he could have been a lightweight, man. I think that he could have gotten down to lightweight. He always carried like some extra like body fat on him and. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, he was successful at welterweight too, so maybe that really wasn't. The Dude, best. he looked like he was going to be a title challenger yeah. after he choked out Jake Ellenberger. Yeah. He was like, "Oh my god!" Then that Woodley fight was horrible, and he missed weight, and he got banished by like nine weight. pounds, right? Oh, so bad. Maybe he was sick or something, or injured. But it was like, come on, dude. It was yeah. bad. It was really bad, and he got. I mean, this is that's some that's some bad punishment, man. This yeah. isn't like a John Lineker case, you know, where the dude misses weight a crap load of times, misses weight, rubs his belly, and then wins the fight and, and gets sent to 135. It was like, I don't know, Gastelum missed it maybe two times before, but, ugh, I don't know, man. I wish that the UFC had worked with him because he, he's worth it to the welterweight division. He's super exciting, whereas I think at middleweight, He's going to eat up. Middleweight. Hit a brick wall. Middleweight, dude. Middleweight. Chris Weidman. Luke yeah. Rockhold. Middleweight. That's what I'm saying. He's going to hit a brick, <laughs> brick wall. He's screwed. Yeah, dude. Yeah, how, he he, he might have been champion. He, yeah, he could have yeah. been a contender. Yeah. And middleweight, he's so fucked. <laughs> yeah, he's, not, he's got no chance. But, um. No. Yeah, man, it's like unfortunate because I think if he got if he had like Mike, well, I think Mike Dolce used to work with him when he was making weight. Mike Dolce was his uh, his nutrition guy. So, if after missing weight that many times, he should have picked up that business card and uh, gotten back on the Dolce diet, living lean and uh, and made weight and health made weight in a healthy manner, you know. So yeah, I, still in all, man. Like honestly. I feel bad for him that he's in the middleweight division, but it's hard. I mean, he's responsible to do that shit, man. You know, and uh, I, I, for nine nine pounds, man, to be nine pounds overweight is unless, of course, like you're saying, there's like a uh, there's a health reason. 
But I don't think was that ever disclosed that there was a health reason why I missed weight. I want to say it was something like he had diarrhea, but it's like, shouldn't he have weighed less? <laughs> yeah. You know, man, it'd be crazy. It'd be the craziest thing to do, but boy, would it send a message. What if he weighed in at 170? Oh, at the, at the middle weight? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, what if he did that? Holy shit. What would happen? <laughs> I don't know what would happen. Would they sanction the fight? I don't know. That's a good question, because... Um, Pretty routinely, Lyoto Machida used to weigh in under 205. Yeah, you know? like 199 or something, right? Yeah, but to be... But the division is 187 to 206. Hold on a second. Because technically, middleweight ends at 186. Yeah, but... Okay. I'm just... Like in wrestling, though... Like you had to be plus or minus a pound on the weight. Like you couldn't be. See, I don't know what the minus. I don't know what the minus is. I know what the plus is. You can be a pound over, but I'm I'm just assuming that it's like wrestling where you you have to be either on exactly on or a pound or over over or under. Like you couldn't. You could. You're right. People have been six pounds under. I think it would behoove uh, Gasplum to weigh six pounds less. You know, show that you can lose the weight. You know, I mean. He's got to do something to get out of this division. I mean, Who knows? Maybe Dana will rescind the punishment after he destroys Mark Court. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, well, that's, let's get to that, too. I mean, first of all, Kelvin's only 5'9", too. You know? So, I, I don't know, dude. Like, he, that's why he needs a guy like Dolce or someone, you know, someone like him to evaluate him physically and to be like, look, dude. Based on your height, your body, your body mass composition, you should be this weight. You know, you got to cut back on the burritos. You know, cut back. Well, maybe not the guac. You know, good healthy fats. You know, and just fucking get your shit together. You know what I'm saying? For sure, dude. That was mildly racist, but since I'm talking to <laughs> a Mexican, I was like, I don't even know what Gastelum is. I think he's Mexican, right? <laughs> I don't know, man, but everyone should eat burritos and guacamole. Yeah, I, I you know, I love them, but I, I believe day. I believe Gastelum's Mexican. He's from Yuma, Yuma, Arizona. Oh yeah, he's from Yuma. Yeah, I don't know what the hell Gastelum is though. What is that? I don't know, dude. Like Hawaiians have like weird names too. They have like these like American sounding names, but they're like Hawaii Hawaiian. You know, like isn't Travis Brown's Hawaiian too? Right. Right. Travis Brown sounds like just some fucking dude like from like Ohio or something right yeah totally I'm like wait that guy's Hawaiian I always forget when you look at him he looks Hawaiian you know he has like kinda he's got tattoos yeah but there's you know he's got that giant ass beard you know if without the beard without the beard like he would have that Hawaiian face I think Hawaiians don't usually grow beards I don't think right like natives uh Brad Tavares isn't he Hawaiian too I think he has a beard. I thought he had facial hair. If anyone he knows, him with a mustache, but he definitely doesn't have a mustache. If, if, <laughs> that would rule. If anyone that's listening to this uh, nonsense wants to uh, weigh in about whether or not Hawaiians can grow beards, please uh, hit us up on uh, either you know Facebook or Twitter or something like that, and like let us know if you're Hawaiian and you're listening to this, and you can shed some light on this question that we have. Or I guess we could just look it up on Google or something. But anyway. <laughs> Or, or you could pretend you're Hawaiian and look it up on Google and just reply saying you are Hawaiian and we will never know. <laughs> so anyway, 
that's enough about Gastelum. But Ugh. I hate to say it, man. For me, Marquardt, though, Nate the Great used to be a world beater. Um, God. You know, his performance in his last few fights has been, uh, you know, showing signs of uh, maybe this is the end for him, you know. I couldn't believe that he beat Tahuna. That was amazing because Tahuna was coming down from 205 and was so big. And he, he got him because he's crafty. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, man, uh, who's that guy without the facial hair that we were just talking Brad about? Brad Tavares. That was his last fight. Yeah. yeah. That was his last fight, and he and he beat the brakes off of poor Nate the Great, man. Yeah. Yeah, but he's only won one out of his last four fights. Like, he lost to Hector Lombard and Jake Ellenberger. And that's, I mean, yeah, those... He was on such, such a streak before that, but that doesn't matter anymore. Post-TRT... No. Look at some pictures of this guy back when he used to weigh 185. Look at him now. Yeah. Shell. So, I mean, that, that you know, brings us to what our my our picks are. I mean, I'm going to have to go with them on this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I'll add in there. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Nate the Great used to be so awesome. He did that crazy Tekken combo on Wilson Gouveia. Ugh. He was so awesome back in the day. Oh, and the combo against, uh, uh, God. The guy who, the, who's the guy who just beat Gastelum? Tyrone Woodley. Tyrone Woodley, yep. When Nate Marquardt knocked him out with that uppercut from the bowels of hell. Oh, man. Amazing. But that guy doesn't exist anymore. No. And Gastelum's going to destroy him. Yeah. It, it, it's been running since 99. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's a long motherfucking time, man. It's, it's too like, long. Yeah. It should. I am interested in seeing Gastelum at 185. You know what I mean. But still, I don't. This this is not an accurate assessment of how he's going to stand up in the division, though. Not at all. It's a gimme fight, and I hope that they just rescind the, you know, lock down against him and say, "All right, you won your fight. We'll let you go back down to 170." I mean, why don't? He, why doesn't he just like start cutting to 170 and send Dana a text every day of a scale? Or a video Like hey look Here's me weighing 170 Please let me fight At 170 again Like He needs to not just You know Acquiesce to this And say Oh yeah sure I'll take it I'll fight at 185 Like Put in the hard work And cut to 170 man Because Your future is there Your grave Is at 185 Yeah dude He's you know? He's got no uh, Yeah there's no future For him there at all dude could you imagine him against Yoel Romero? No. Jesus Christ. I don't even want to think about that, man. <laughs> I don't even want to think about him against Yoel Romero. I'll start eating him. I'll start feasting upon him in the middle of the octagon. Yeah, there's, he's got, there's no no sense in any of that stuff. So now uh, yeah, this, ne- this next one, though, is a long overdue fight between Gil- Gilmore. Five years or something, man. Yeah. Gil Melendez versus uh, Eddie Alvarez. You know, lightweight fight. And um, back when uh, they were both, back when Melendez was a strike force champ and Alvarez was a Bellator champ, that's when this, like, uh, you know, this this kind of, um, you know, hopes of those two fighting someday started. Maybe even before that, man. Maybe when Alvarez was in Dream. Oh, yeah, okay. You know? All I know is there's been a lot of, like, back and forth between those two guys about. Um, oh, yeah. You know, Bill's wanted to fight him for a long time. Yeah. So now it's here. This weekend And it's gonna be awesome Yeah Absolutely man uh, I can't think I mean Two pretty well matched up guys In my opinion You know You know Alvarez hasn't really I mean 
you know, he fought probably one of the toughest guys in the division on his like debut fight in the UFC. He fought Cerrone, right? That was his debut, right? And that was tough, man. You know, something also about these two guys, talking about Kelvin Gastelum going to 170, Gil Melendez and Eddie Alvarez should really fight at 145. I was just going to say that, man. Like, if you if you look at, 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 uh, at uh, Alvarez, his frame could definitely go down to 145. It's all muscle. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe actually lose a little bit of that muscle and get closer to 145 and, and just, you know, suck those last few pounds of water weight, you know. But yeah, I think I think that he would dominate at 145. You know, maybe not you know to the top, but he would be. Has, he has I think more, Mendez, Mendez and Aldo would stop him. Yeah, Mendez I think would knock him out. But you know, he, he could be a top ten guy though. I think at 145. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, that's I hope you know maybe that's his future. You know, depending on the outcome of this fight, maybe he might be For motivated sure. to go down to 145. But I guess when you look at it, too, I mean, if there are already top 10 guys at lightweight, they're probably like, why do I need to cut 10 pounds, you know? I just don't see it working out for him at lightweight, honestly, you know? I mean, Cerrone's like, you know, the top of the food chain in that in that division. But uh, the other guys at, at 55, it's like everyone's a murderer in that in that division, you know? And his physical attributes, I think, put him at the lower weight class, you know? So I don't know, we'll see what happens. I just think he'd have more success down there. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, someone even like Michael Johnson might give Eddie Alvarez a hard time. They train together at Black Zillion, so they're not going to fight, but just the length of some of the people, you know? What's also interesting about this is um, I think both of these guys are coming off losses too, right? Is Gil coming off that Diego win? Oh. Lost against Tyron Woodley. Oh no, I'm sorry. Wait, no. What am I talking about? Tyron Woodley. Um, who the hell? I think Gil. Gil lost to Anthony Pettis. Oh right. Yeah, that's, that's right. what the it was. It was the title fight. Yep. And um, yeah, it was before that was Diego Sanchez. I mean, he's had sort of a up and down. He beat Josh Thompson. He lost. Uh, he lost to Benson Henderson. He Very beat, close fight. Beat Diego Sanchez, and then he lost to Anthony Pettis. Yep. So it's been, second round. Uh, the Pettis, uh, it was a, I know it was a guillotine submission, and that might have been in round, maybe round two. Yeah, I think it might have been round two. He did really well in the first round. Yeah. yeah the thing that's interesting about these guys, too, is like Gilbert Melendez is 11 TKOs, one submission, 10 decisions. Eddie Alvarez is 14 TKOs, seven submissions, four decisions. I know they both have good gas tanks. Obviously, Melendez has a relentless pace. Alvarez is not going to submit Melendez. That's not going to happen. No. The thing that's, like, tough is we've seen Alvarez get rocked, go down, get up, fight. We saw Melendez get dropped by Diego, which was crazy, and then get up and fight. These guys are so similar. It's crazy. They have the same amount of losses. It's like, yeah, they fought some of the same guys. It's, oh, man, it's such a tough, 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 like, fight to call. I, I... uh, I don't know. It's tough. I, I feel like Alvarez has the more crisp boxing. Um, Melendez doesn't really kick because he comes out of that Caesar Gracie don't kick or check leg kick school. Yeah. Um, I think Alvarez should be able to win. I, I you know I, I'm 
I think my heart is telling me that Gilbert Melendez is going to win, but I think that you're right about Alvarez. I think Alvarez might might take this might take this one here, but it's going to be a, a dog fight, man. You know what I'm saying? Like I think that that this is going to be like like similar to maybe not as bloody as the Diego Sanchez Gilbert Melendez fight, but it's going to be like a, a, a battle like that. I think you know, like this kind of epic battle. So that's I'm really looking forward to that fight. That some people may call that the people's main event. You follow me? You know. I follow you, man. <laughs> this is a great fight. It's you're right. It's gonna be bloody, and these guys are tenacious, and they don't get knocked out. Like you know, they just keep fighting, and it, it could show us where they are still in their careers. You know, it's tough to tell in MMA. These guys have been fighting forever too. You know. Yeah. Yeah, they're total. Uh, you know, total, total fucking. You know, vets. So now we come to the main event, five rounds in the UFC. Big time. Yeah. And, uh, man, there's there's a lot of questions that are going to be answered in this. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Cain Velasquez, uh, injured, injury, injury plagued for, what, the last two years, really. You know, maybe longer. Maybe it's longer brutal. than that. The guy fights once a year. Yeah, because even back to his second fight against uh, JDS, he was injured too, right? He had like a torn like ACL or some shit like that. It's like his shoulder, his knee. It's always like something. Yeah, and there's been a lot of criticism about maybe they train too hard over at AKA. And uh, I just heard a uh, interview with um, with Javier Mendez where he was talking about how they, you know, he's actually sensitive to that. Maybe. Uh, because they, they just got some new strength trainer guy there who was more of um, a modality like kind of dude who's like you know helping guys train to avoid injury as opposed to just like you know doing hundreds of sets of like uh, you know clean and press and stuff like that you know so yeah so I mean there's that criticism that those guys bang too hard in training at AKA but uh but yeah Nurmagomedov just got injured yeah he got injured like moving backwards and uh hurt his uh tore his meniscus I think and um so he's out because he was supposed to fight Cowboy what a waste the last fight was supposed to be against Cowboy Cerrone so yeah I mean you know these ligaments actually that guy uh Fabian Garcia he was telling the guy I was mentioned earlier who was like my physical trainer um physical therapist rather we were talking about uh, star jumps. It's like this conditioning move. And um, he was saying his assistant is this, like, you know, girl who's, like, maybe 110, 115 pounds. And he was, like, telling me, he's like, you know, basically your ligament and her ligament are the same. Like, your joint and her joint are exactly the same, except that you're 210 pounds and she's 115. So it's like if you do these, like, star jumps... All that force and trauma is going on the same exact ligament and tendons and joints. So you got to really be careful about that shit. So, you know, a lot of people want to, like, go nuts and do these crazy things. But, like, you have to be really mindful of, like, your joints and everything. Because, like, after a while, especially if you're an MMA fighter, you know, these years and years and years of constant abuse just take their toll. And I think that's kind of what Kane's experiencing now. You know, I think that he's um, an incredibly talented fighter, but just... The abuse, man, is taking its toll on him. And uh, I'm really interested. I mean, no, everyone always speaks about, oh, yeah, Kane, you know, he can take 12 months off and then just step right back on the mat and his cardio is, you know, on point and everything. But, but I don't know, man. I mean, 
you know, it, it, that's a big question in my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, is this like the third injury that he's had? I'm like, at this point, how many times can you get injured before it just all unravels? And he's been amazing when we've seen him fight, but it's been a long time since we've seen him fight consistently. Whereas Verdum's been on a pretty sweet tear. Yeah, Verdum is like healthy. Uh, Somehow he figured out how to strike, you know, like effectively. (laughs) Yeah. Rafael Cordero. Yeah, yeah, the shootbox guys, and uh, yeah, and now it's like he's he's like uh, coming into his own, man, as as like a legit, you know, stand up guy, you know, and he's and he's on off of his back, you know, he's a master jujitsu uh, player too, you know, and he's beating a lot of fucking tough guys, man, you know. Yeah, man, Fedor, Nelson, Big Nog, Brown, Hunt. Yeah, you know, uh, um, yeah. Mark Hunt, the last fight was against Mark Hunt. Yeah, that was like, you know, a knockout KO, right? Yep. Yeah. So With that I, knee. Yeah, that's right. So the fights, uh, you know, I'm afraid to even pick this one, man, because uh, I want Kane to win. I want him to completely manifest and solidify himself as like one of the greatest heavyweights, but. You know, there's a lot of questions. If he pulls this off, if he can successfully beat Fabricio Verdun, then I believe that Kane will start, if he can stay healthy, that is, will solidify his legacy as, like, one of the greatest heavyweights. You know, but that's a big if, man. You know? Yeah, and it sucks, too, because it's like, if Fabricio Verdun is just actually better than him, is it going to be like, oh, well, it's because Cain Velasquez is coming off an injury. You know what I mean? It's it's possible that Verdum could just beat him because that guy is crafty. He's crafty and tricky and, like, very, very, very talented. Yeah. You know, and, and the one thing is, like, Cain is a pressure fighter, too. You know, and that might be, that's part of his, like, strategy. Just pressure these guys, you know, keep working them, you know, and, and uh, you know, I don't know, like Verdum, that might, that might, that sort of pressure might not be something he's used to. You know what I mean? You know, we'll see. You know, I wonder I, if Verdum is just going to give up takedowns. I don't, I don't think that, I, th- I don't, you know, that's a good question. But then again, like, I don't think that Verdum, all right, I think that Verdum is not concerned about being taken down either. You're right. You know, I think that Verdum, Probably will not shoot takedowns, but I think that he'll accept the takedown just so he can end up on his back. You know, a lot of a lot of these guys, like you know, even a guy like Nick, you know, my Nick Diaz, not, not afraid to get taken down at all. You know, he's got great takedown defense, but he doesn't mind being on his back. And I feel like Verdum is the same way. If you take him down, you you just stepped into his world. You know, and he's like a, that motherfucker. What was he like two hundred and what? 40 pounds maybe Fabricio yeah I want to say yeah like higher higher 40s low 50s or something let's say 250 you're in the guard of a 250 pound animal like that you know who's so talented he can sweep you he can do oh, yeah. so many things submissions you know? sweeps it's all on the board it's all it's all on the table with that guy so I mean you know Kane's a killer wrestler I don't think Fabricio Verdun is worried about getting taken down. 
But Kane, his pressure. Then again, Kane's the kind of guy who'll beat you up in your guard. Big time. You know? Brutal ground and pound. So there's a counter for every single question. You know, it's like every argument there is, there's a counter to it. But the biggest question is whether or not Cain Velasquez is going to be healthy and in top form for this fight. So, I mean, that that's... I'm going to go with Cain. Just putting that out there. For me, I'm going to pick Cain. And I believe in him, and I, I, I'm a fan. Then that's not to say I don't believe in Fabrizio over Doom, and I, and I am a fan of... I'm a fan of both of these guys, you know? So this should be... This is like a very, very interesting fight. I'm going to go with Verdum just because he's a spoiler. Um, I think aside from that, he's just become a better fighter than he was. And I'm not sure that Velasquez, who knows how what what level he's at and uh, being recovered. I'm not 100% on this pick. I just sort of want to give, give Verdum some love. <laughs> I've been a fan since Pride. Yeah, man. I think Velasquez could be the best heavyweight we've ever seen. Just like you said, if you can just string it together a little more consistently. And, um, you know, if he wins this, that's great. Um, yeah, I hope that Verdum gets... He's, he's like a pride legend. That'd be great to see him get some gold. Yeah. So, you know, and there you have it, man. That's the, uh, that's the whole card. Good card, man. I mean, I'll be in uh, Boise, Idaho, but I'm definitely going to try to find somewhere in Boise to to get away from the hotel or whatever and, and try to find this somewhere. I, I, I really want to see it. Yeah, I'm going to be watching this, man. You know, this is definitely uh, my my, Friday, my Saturday evenings planned out for the, around this this event. So, so anyway, thanks for listening. And um, yeah, man, everyone, uh, if you want to counter any of our picks, feel free. You know, hit us on Facebook or whatever, or, you know, Twitter and all those sort of uh, fun time wasters that we all engage in. And um, if you're a fan of uh, coffee, check out Savage Gold Coffee. For listeners of the podcast, there's a discount code EWB2112. And if you go to uh, savagegoldcoffee.com to the store, you can get a dark roast, you can get Savage Gold Prime, which is a medium light roast. Plug in that code and you get a discount. So there you go. All right, dude. Um, great talking to you again. And um, yeah, see you uh, see you next time. Yeah, absolutely. Take it easy, Mike. All right, brother. Take care.